Hello friends, a big welcome to you. We are glad that you're here. This is the Connected Families Podcast. I'm Stacey Bellward, your host. You know, do you know that 111 countries celebrate Father's Day and most celebrate it in June? This podcast reaches people in over 50 countries. And so we are declaring June Dad's Month. To honor dads in the month of June, we asked Jim Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, and Chad Hayengay, who is on our leadership team here, to come to the mic for a three-part series on leaving a legacy, kids and video games, and pornography. Today's episode will kick off the series as Jim and Chad talk about leaving a legacy. Well, greetings, everybody. It's good to be with you again via the Connected Families podcast. I'm with my good friend and co-host today, Chad Hangay. Hey, Chad. Hey, Jim. Good to be here again. <laughs> good to be here. Where is here these days anyway? Here is wherever you have a computer and a microphone. <laughs> and we meet in the cloud. Exactly. Isn't there an old song about that? We meet in the clouds. Is this a glimpse of heaven right here? Maybe. We are in the cloud. We store things in the cloud. We'll meet Jesus in the clouds or will it be cloudy? I don't know. Wow. I remember Billy Graham said heaven is going to be just like earth only without sin. So he was really hopeful there'd be golf courses. And and okay. So I'm going to go with it. Okay. Yeah. Well, who's going to refute Billy at at this point? So Right. Right. And he can't argue back. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that wasn't irreverent. It was Billy. (laughs) Lord, we forgive us. Chad and I, maybe me more than Chad, which compels me to sort of segue a little bit into what we are in the cloud together today to talk about, which is it's really about the impression that we leave on people. It's about the impact that our lives make on other people's lives and being thoughtful about that. Some people call this legacy, Chad. And I know you've done some work with this topic, the topic of legacy, leaving a legacy. I'm 60 plus years old now. So I get stuff from financial planners all the time saying, leave a legacy, which is really an advertisement for me to enlist their services to to help me get my will in order. (laughs) Right. And and you think about the different kinds of legacies. So, I mean, they're talking about leave a financial legacy there, but there's probably a wide range of possible legacies. And I guess just trying to figure out first, what do we even mean? By legacy, when you hear the word legacy, where does your mind go? To Google. I I go to Google. (laughs) So Google is your mind at this point. Well, no, you know, because I mean, it's crazy, this default we have now these days, right? Like I try to think about something and I try to formulate it and I try to come up with my own idea. And if I can't, and I get in trouble with my children about this all the time, because we'll be having a conversation at the table, maybe about a, you know, they're over to visit and it's some difficult topic and some topic that's maybe, you know, we're trying to figure out an answer to solve a problem. And I get on my phone and I Google it. Like, what does Google say? Mm -hmm. Like, even in my 61-year-old brain now, there's a pathway direct to Google. (laughs) Uh, Well, and just the fact that Google is always listening, my phone just jumped right into search mode when I, what does Google say? (laughs) Napped right up. So anyway. So Google said some stuff. Yeah, well, I just shut it down because I didn't really want to hear it. Google was starting to talk to me and I knew that wasn't going to be a good thing here. So yeah, so yeah, we don't want that on the podcast. But candidly, we did a little Googling about this just to see how people define legacy, right? Right. We found some interesting things that might be kind of fun to talk about a few of these just briefly to see how other people are thinking about legacy. And funny to me that the first person on the list that we happened to find was Lauren Daigle. (laughs) 
<laughs> she would seemingly have a lot of legacy spiritual guru lauren daigle yeah I, th I think she would seem to have a lot of legacy left to leave you know she's a very young and she's a very thoughtful you know deep thinking person who's very i mean i think i get the sense already at this stage in her life she's really thoughtful about the fact that she's done this thing that has made an impact in the world and she's probably well aware that the things that she shares mm -hmm. with the world are going to be left behind and they have an impression on people. And I don't want to argue about, you know, some of her viewpoints about different things, but she wants to leave a legacy. And she said, we as Christians have a legacy to leave. And it's all about the love of Christ. And in her case, she says to permeate the music and reach the hearts of all the people out there that don't know him and that do know him. Yeah, just for our audience too, I'm guessing most people know who Lauren Daigle is, but she's a Christian singer that is on lots of radio stations and also is even, you know, done some things in the secular arena as well, but highly followed by certainly the generation of my kids and probably younger. Yeah. A crossover artist, they call those. They get awards in both the Dove Award ceremonies and the, the Grammy Awards. Okay, yeah, right. It's about the love of Christ to permeate the things we do and reach people. That sounds biblical to me, Chad. Mm, yeah, I think it does. I think another is, uh, you know, coming from C.S. Lewis. Biblical for sure. Yeah, most Christians, that is a stamp of uh, expertise and uh, someone with credibility. And he says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in aim at earth and you will get neither. Hmm. I mean, that's interesting. I'm thinking about how that made it on a list of legacy quotes. Right. Uh, read that again. Say that again. Yeah. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Yeah. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Those are Jesus' words. And I think that's what Lewis is saying here. Put your treasure in heaven. And then I'm guessing, you know, whoever put this on the list of legacy quotes is thinking that when we aim at heaven, we have this mindset that our lives are caught up in the eternal purposes of God to redeem all people. And we're partners in that. So mm -hmm. the way that we act in the here and now is a part of drawing others into God's eternal purposes. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that would have to be the perspective. Okay. What's another one here? Should we read one from Victoria Osteen? <laughs> Okay. Why is that funny? I don't know. I, I don't know if that is an Osteen that is connected to the, the reverend. I believe Victoria Osteen is Joel Osteen's wife. Okay. And they're co-pastors of one of the biggest churches in Texas. I forget the name of it offhand, but maybe even in the country. And she said this, children touch all of our lives and we all have an opportunity to sow seeds into the next generation. And there's nothing more important that we can leave on this earth than a legacy of faith, hope, confidence in our God. Wow. I mean, that's good stuff. So sowing seeds to the next generation is about leaving imprints of faith, hope, and confidence in God. For our purposes, as we're talking today too, about leaving a legacy, it really is that idea of what are we bringing to the next generation? And there was another quote that I found that says, legacy, what is legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. Again, back to seed planting. And what are we dropping in the soil in the parenting perspective in our kids' lives, in those people around us who are most important to us? How are we you know, planting those seeds? And how are we caring for those seeds and nurturing those? And what will they reap when they come up through the ground? 
around and, and there's a harvest there. This has me thinking about celebration of life, a funeral, a memorial service that I was at actually just earlier this week. And it was the funeral of a man who I knew somewhat, but I, I mostly knew the man through his son. And it became so powerfully evident at this celebration of life ceremony that this dad had left a legacy. It's sort of, we're in these days where nobody knows how many people can gather and who should come. And people are still nervous about maybe going to things like this when they don't know who's going to be there. But the place was as full as it could responsibly be of people in a fairly large auditorium of people who have been impacted by this man. And he was a clothes salesman. That was his job and like his vocation in life. He wasn't like a ministry guy with a radio show or a preacher. I never saw him on the stage. I actually attended the church he attended for a short while back in the day. But he was just a man of rock solid faith who never, ever had an ill word to say about anybody. Every restaurant he went to that was his regular Mm -hmm. restaurant, the servers would light up when he came to the place and, oh, Rich is here and he's got his table and he would take care of them and they would take care of him. And he Mm -hmm. loved these people and they were impacted by it, even as servers in restaurants. And then different folks along the way that were a part of a, a little Sunday school class that he had put together. And, you know, testimony after testimony after testimony about the positivity, the faith, incredible generosity. The guy died literally with no money in the bank, not because he didn't do a good job of stewarding money on this earth. They lived well in his productive years and he made an arrangement as he wound down to assure that his money was given away to the causes that he believed in. The legacy he built in his children made them self-sufficient. Wow. And his goal was to leave his money behind for kingdom purposes. And, it, you know, some of that money could have been in the work of this good friend of mine, who was his son, who also has had the same sort of impact on people. It was so evident to me that this is what legacy is all about. And Rich was purposeful to be planting seeds of faith, of hope, of love, of generosity, of life into everyone he met everywhere he went. And it was funny because, you know, you go to these funerals where people say lots of good things about people, but you know, there's sort of this shady side, but with Rich, and it was funny because, because one of the tributes made note of this, it said, it's hard to fault a guy. The only criticism of him is that he was too positive. (laughs) And that was kind of true, but I knew Rich well enough to know he was thoughtful about receiving the blessing of God in his life and giving it away everywhere he went every day in every business transaction in every personal transaction, in every incidental transaction with people along the way, he was always kind and gracious to everyone he met. And he's leaving a legacy, planting seeds. And he doesn't know, like that quote that you read said, he's planting the seeds. He doesn't know how the seeds are going to grow. You know, I think the Bible speaks to this, right? Yeah. You you start talking about seeds and we could talk about, you know, financial legacies or spiritual legacies or you know, even physical sorts of legacies, but you start thinking through the lens of scripture and, you know, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8, the apostle Paul is writing and he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. We do the planting. Paul did the planting. Others do some watering. Yes. 
but God does the growing. Yes. I want to dwell on this a little bit more after break, because I know that there's a number of parents, maybe parents whose kids have grown and gone, who are wondering if it's too late to leave legacy with some kids who might be disenfranchised or Mm -hmm. feel ashamed because they maybe didn't plant seeds as well as they could. And so let's come back on the other side and talk about that. Imagine your kids would be best friends with a house full of laughter, fun, and cute memory-making moments. Here you are, struggling with constant fighting, badgering, and teasing. You know your kids are capable of a close relationship. But even with all your effort, you feel like you're getting nowhere. And sometimes you wonder if you're making things even worse. Well, what if you could use the inevitable conflict between your kiddos and actually strengthen their relationship? We want you to know it is possible. Connected Families has a self-paced five-session online course that's called Sibling Conflict. Follow the link in our show notes to register and help move your kids from bickering to bonding. We've been talking about legacy, about the importance of of planting seeds well in our lives and planting seeds toward the purposes of faith and hope and love and the understanding that we plant seeds. It's our job to plant seeds, but that God is the one who waters, according to these verses in 1 Corinthians that we read before the break. And it occurred to me, Chad, as you're reading those verses, that there's listeners you know, all over the spectrum on how to process this information. And some of us are thinking about seeds that were planted in us and wishing that different seeds had been planted perhaps because maybe we came from families where seed planting was not so intentional, where the legacy is sort of a mixed combination of good and and not so good. And then there's some of us who are thinking, gosh, our kids are grown and older and was it too late to plant seeds or have I planted bad seeds and what, what should I do about that? You know, I coach with a lot of parents and I'll hear parents who have five-year-olds asking, you know, is it too late? Have we yeah. already messed things up in such a way that it can't be redeemed or yep. Yep. we've ruined our child? So I don't even think it's a it's a parent of a, you know, in reflection mode of kids leaving the nest. I totally concur. And I think there's there's a lot out there these days and the, the research is publicized that, you know, success by six and the brain is largely formed by the age of six. And so I know there's a lot of parents who are yeah. who are thinking, gosh, you know, I was too harsh or I was, you know, too impatient or I was too distracted or I was too involved in other things or I was sick and couldn't be present for my child or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, yeah. Life is happening, you know, we're trying to trying to provide for our family and doing uh, all the things. Yep. And work in the hours and, you know, or in ministry or whatever it might be. And those are good focus opportunities. They can also leave us sometimes with a little bit of regret. I'm thinking now, and it's really a legacy sort of a thing, I guess, about a line. And I've referred to it in other places from the movie Lion King, where Fiki is with Simba at the pond and Simba's sort of just running away from his youth and running away from, the, uh, you know, all the chaos and all the trouble that he thinks he's made and, and feels just so ashamed and Rafiki, you know, says the past can hurt, but you can't live in the past. And and then he calls, you know, he calls Simba to this, you know, powerful, I think, spiritual truth. It's sort of presented in a pantheistic way, but I really do believe it's 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 a truth from God that the legacy 
of one person lives on in another. And he reminds Simba of who he is and his past and what's true about him because of who his father is. And then he reminds Simba that he lives in you. For good or for not so good, the things we've built into the people around us live on in them. And so being as thoughtful as we can, it's easy to beat ourselves up for things we didn't do that we should have done or did do that we shouldn't have done, or at least we think we should or shouldn't have done and feel ashamed about that. But the truth is we can look back on the past and go, oh, okay, that's not what I wanted to do, or I I wish I had done this. And we can say that out loud. And then from today forward, we can live according to that revelation. And we can even go to the people who we have impacted. And, you know, I'm thinking now I've got grown children and, you know, maybe people will be surprised to hear this, or maybe you've heard me say it in other ways, but there's a whole bunch of things I wish I could do over with my children and that I did that I wish I hadn't done and that I didn't do that I wish I had done. And I can go to my children even now in their thirties and say, you know what, here's some things that I wish I had done. And I'm sure hoping that you will forgive me for what I did do instead. And we can move forward in that relationship. And that's planting seeds too. That's building legacy too. So, but you know, most parents maybe are in a different place than that and are kind of in that very pragmatic place of thinking about this. Gosh, I okay, legacy. I'm planting seeds. Most parents, I think, are kind of aware of this. Mm-hmm. How can we be more thoughtful and make more of a habit of planting the kind of seeds we want to be planting? First, we're just getting to that awareness piece and getting out of the shame of sometimes like, oh man, I've planted these seeds, or I don't know how to plant other seeds, or you know, I wasn't discipled really well by my my parents or others. There are some, I think key ingredients here, maybe uh, some some seeds that you can plant. Uh, and I really like the first time that I had read 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12, and kind of saw it through the lens of seed planting. It gave me some things to consider, even as I laid in bed at mm. night about the kind of parent that I was that day. And so the Apostle yeah. Paul speaking, he says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. And I mean, just think about that. The next words are Paul telling us from his perspective, how a father deals with his own children. I remember, this is a long time ago, but I remember kind of getting introduced to this section and it was actually profound. If you've followed Connected Families for any season, you know that these are important verses, even in the formation of Connected Families, just this different lens. And I remember reading that, for you know how we dealt with each of you, just like a father deals with his children. And that phrase kind of was a trigger for me. Like, we're going to wait till your father gets home. He's going to deal with you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, and it's kind of scary, but that's not how the verse continues. No, it's three words that I would not have expected after that little introduction. We know, you know, that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live Mm. lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So encouragement, comfort, and urging. Yes. And I think that for me, that was those are good handles to lie in bed at night and go, did my kids experience me today as an encourager, a comforter, and an urger? And did I do too much urging? Right. <laughs> so there's a, a little bit of a thought there that we could, you know, push our kids or you know, whatever. But that was such a good framing to think through that lens of encouraging, comforting, and urging my kids to live lives worthy of God. 
Yeah, it'd be fun to do a little digging into that word urging. What is that word? What's the Greek origin and what does it mean? I'm imagining that it's about a, a little bit of a fervent effort to remind you of, of why I'm doing this encouraging and this comforting. It's so that you might live your life according to God's purposes. Mm-hmm. And you might be reminded, child, of his purposes for you in his kingdom. It seems to me because the, this idea of urging is linked very closely to a life worthy of God who's called me into his kingdom and glory. There's an implication there of I'm going to urge you to do the things God built you to do. I'm going to urge you to walk according to God's purposes in your life. I'm going to remind you about God's purposes in life. And that that really kind of drums up another verse that we've talked about, Chad, that's this reminding stuff. I know in the Old Testament, you've done some work around legacy and the 12 stones and introduce a little bit of that as well. Yeah, it's actually these verses in Joshua 4 came to me probably 20 plus years ago as something I really felt like the Lord gave as a picture of what and how we're supposed to move forward in our parenting, in our just some unique challenges in our own family. Joshua 4, 21 and 22 says, so they're crossing into the Jordan. They're coming into the promised land. They're going to build an altar. There are 12 stones, 12 tribes, place them in the Jordan. This is Joshua telling the people to do this. And then he says, he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? The next two words, tell them, tell them. Hmm. And then he goes on to say, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. The Lord dried up the Jordan before you until he had crossed over. And and it kind of starts describing what God has done, the faithfulness of God in the past in our family's life and how we can then trust that God will be faithful in the future. Hmm. And so this became, for me, a really tender verse that we're supposed to tell them and that we should have stories to tell our kids and that we should be able to live our lives a little bit out loud. Like when I came to into my wife's family, they had all sorts of stories coming from a missionary background of if God didn't show up, then we don't know how we would have survived or we don't know how we would have made it. And not everybody has those kinds of stories necessarily, but what has God done in your life? How can we invite or inform our kids' view of God based on what God has done in our life? And a lot of times parents don't talk about those things. We just kind of move on. And even some of the, the things in our past that we're maybe not very proud of, but God redeemed us and God set us apart even after our struggles or our failings. And that's a testimony. And I just hear coming through this Joshua passage, just your kids are going to say, well, what does this mean? What does that scar mean that you've got there? (laughs) What does that tattoo mean that you have there? What do these things mean? And uh, tell them. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about, you know, my own journey along the way. And yeah, the knowledge really, or the fact that sometimes I don't tell them because I'm not quite sure what to say. Hmm. I don't know how to say it. I'm wrestling myself even internally with how that might have been something God did, or was that something that was just a product of living in the world and it happened serendipitously? Or was that like one time in a sort of interesting setting, I got pushed down by someone who was wanting people to be slain in the spirit in their meeting. Hmm. So it's a little bit of a harder sort of a spiritual thing. And I was really confused by it and was really 
hungry to experience, you know, a supernatural move of God in my life. And I got, I got pushed down. And, you know, I'm a guy who wants to tell the stories. I want to tell my kids about the things that I'm working on wrestling with. And I decided that I would talk about that. And I don't know to this day whether that was a good idea or not, but I went home and I said, you know, I've got this hunger to know God and I've got, got this hunger to walk in his purposes and to experience really supernatural kinds of power in my life. And I was at this meeting that, that sort of promised a deeper entry into that. And somebody who was praying for me put their hand on my chest and there was somebody on the floor already behind me who had been affected deeply by what was happening. And as the person gently prayed for me and pushed on my chest, I didn't have anywhere to step. And there was two people on the other side of that person on the floor and they caught me. And my kids are like, that doesn't seem like God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, well, it didn't seem like it to me either, honestly. And so I'm struggling with that. And I know that people can take the best that God has to give and they can still twist it and put their ego in it. And the sinful nature is never far away. And, and I don't know. All I know is, is that I'm still wrestling to, to move toward God. I'm not going to let that deter me from a belief that Jesus Christ is the son of God, crucified for my sins, rose again to offer life to all who believe in him. And I'm going to chase after the words and the way of Jesus with all my heart as best as I can understand it, even though it's confusing sometimes. And I think that's legacy. And I don't, I, I don't know, you know, sometimes I wonder with my own kids, what impact did that have on them? And, and they're, at, you know, they're at different places in their own spiritual growth and trying to wrestle with things and figure them out and sort them out for themselves. And, and there's tension there sometimes. And, but what I know is I was acting in the desire to plant seeds. And that's our job, right? I can't decide how the seeds grow. Isn't that what the scripture says? Whose job is it again, Chad, to grow the seeds? Yeah, as best I can tell in reading 1 Corinthians 3, it says, but only God who makes things grow. (laughs) Right. It's one of those rhetorical questions. What I hear in what you're talking about there is authenticity right? It's letting your kids into an age-appropriate levels. And, you know, there's there's those kinds of things, but letting your kids into the spiritual struggle, that's not reading kind of a devotional, which devotionals are good, but can become rote. That's like a real life sort of piece here of like, hey kids, this is something that I'm wandering through and trying to figure out. And I just want to you know, sort through this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think those are the kinds of conversations that cause kids to lean in. And because we're having a, a real life conversation yeah. about something that we're trying to figure out or we're, we're sorting through. Yeah. And that story is precious to me and still even at some level troubling to me. And yet I don't have any regrets. I feel like I did the best I knew how to do at the time to plant seeds, to build legacy. And really pragmatically, what we're talking about is all the different things that we we invite parents to think about. And, and like you said, re- opening the Bible, doing devotionals, reading the scriptures yeah. together as a family. It's a very important part of building legacy. We, we did it often. We found that the scheduled time w- was more of a hassle. And so it challenged us as parents to figure out if we're living by God's word, then how can we articulate that in the ebb and flow of everyday life? Sort of more the organic Deuteronomy 6, talk about the, mm-hmm. the commandment of the Lord as you rise up, as you lie down, as you you go along the road, we just became very challenged to be in the word and then to be making the word relevant to our lives and then to tell our kids the things that we were wrestling with, learning, growing in. We also often invited our kids just as a pragmatic thing. And I think we invite parents to think about how they could do this too, to just have conversations around the table, make your meals be a time where you discuss the blessing of God in your lives. 
how have you been a blessing? How have you been blessed by God? And not let mealtime be, did you get your homework done? Are your clothes washed? Are you ready for the thing tomorrow? Did you practice? Oh, you're in trouble for this, that, or the other thing. Don't let your mealtimes be that. Work on mealtime being a time of celebration of God's goodness in your life. That's huge. And I think that the Deuteronomy 6 passage is a, is a relief for many in that uh, it doesn't say sit down and have your scheduled time. And again, those are great if that works for your family. But it really is, again, about just having that regular, thoughtful, what's God doing in my life? And how can I invite my kids into that? What's God doing in my kid's life? What's God wanting to do in our family's life? Again, that's a that's a whole other thing that we talked about yeah. in an earlier podcast, you and I, about just what's our family's purpose? Like, why are we here beyond just a bunch of individuals thrown in the same family randomly? It's like, no, we're yeah. here together. How can yeah. we use that to bless and honor other people? So yeah, so we do. We invite parents to consider what what kind of annual practices, monthly practices, weekly practices can you put in place where you as a family use the resources, position the resources, the talents that you've got to be a blessing to somebody else as a part of God's plan to bless people and make that a, a part of the flow of your lives. And, you know, I know there's some parents listening who are thinking, well, yeah, but we're just, we've got so many things going on. We've got, you know, we've got this activity and that activity and the other thing. And not every family, but I know a lot of families are very busy. <laughs> and I think, you know, the answer to that is to consider how in the context of those, can you make habits of being a blessing? So if your child's in a sport, what's the monthly thing that we're doing to make sure that we're as a family going to this event and staging a party for the people afterwards or doing an affirmation thing for, for the people who are the support team behind us mm -hmm. or, you know, just bringing the affirmation of people's talents and gifts into play for God's purposes in the context of your family's activities. So Jim, there's a parent out there right now who's thinking, I don't know. I mean, it sounds good, but where do I even start? Maybe I've just blown it already. Yeah. And what do you say to that parent? Well, I say you start where you're at. I mean, you, you can redo. You could go back to your child and say, you know, the way that I did this thing, I wish I hadn't done. Will you forgive me? Child might look at you and go, are you nuts? What are you trying to get from me? What is this? Some kind of a thing? Because, you know, especially if we're in habits of doing things we wish we hadn't done in order to get our kids to do things we wish they would do, <laughs> you know, our kids, if we go back to them in, in a humble and a contrite way, are going to wonder if this is a trick to get them to do that thing. So we need to bring reassurance. And every parent can apologize can ask for forgiveness, can invite a child to pray for them if that seems appropriate, and then make a plan with the child. How do you wish I would do it differently? Or what do you think I could have done differently as a parent that would have felt more respectful to you on the way to helping you get your homework done or do your chores or you know whatever it is? So we can start with contriteness and humility and confession. And we can't go to our kids and need them to forgive us. We have to go to God first with that and mm -hmm. say, God, I know I blew it with my child. Will you forgive me for that. And I know you forgive me for that. I know I'm forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. Help me to know that as I go to my child and ask for forgiveness and not need my child's forgiveness in order to be okay, but know that my forgiveness comes from you and that's what makes me okay. And build my confidence to go to my child 
and confess and ask for forgiveness. If we've got breath left, right? Our legacy is not done. So there are still seeds being planted. We can still plant seeds. And so I think even for that refreshed vision too, of just asking the Lord, God, what seeds do you want me to plant? And who do you want me to plant them in? You know, moving forward here, God's got a purpose and a plan. And uh, today is a day that you can start, even if you don't feel like the seeds you've planted in the past have been effective or helpful or whatever that might have yielded, today's a new day. Yes, it is. It's a new day. Receive what God has for you as your starting place. And then pray about and find ways to pour into your kids seeds of life, seeds of hope, seeds of faith, so that you would encourage, comfort, and urge them to live lives worthy of God. If we can help you in any way at Connected Families, by all means, let us know. Reach out. We're here for you. God bless. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. We would love to hear from you. Leave a comment and let us know what you found useful or a question that we could address in a future podcast episode. Don't forget to rate and review so that others can find us more easily. Next time, Jim and Chad will be back for our Dad's Month discussing kids and video games. For more information about Connected Families, go to connectedfamilies.org.